Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus into the world to save us when we couldn't save ourselves. And please let us learn from this incredible true story. Amen. Amen. Now for me to pay attention to a speech of any considerable length, I need three things. Firstly, I need some visual aids, which I'll be using today to help you remember. So even if you don't remember a single word I said today, you might be able to remember the aids and then from that, uh, remember what I actually did say. Secondly, I need for the speaker to be interactive with their listeners and I need the listeners to be interactive with the speaker. So please Use the sheet you've been given, or if you have your own Bible, please use that. And please, yeah, look down at it, read it. Make sure what I'm saying is right. And thirdly, I need the, sh- the talk to be as short as possible, which I will also endeavor to be. Now, the first object I want to present you with is this lovely diamond ring, okay? Now, this isn't mine, and I haven't bought it for anybody um, before any jokes I made. This actually belongs to Emma. Now, diamond rings are to be admired and to be worn with pride. However, for it to be kept in this sparkling condition, it must be brought to the jewelers once every while for some cleaning and repair. The older the ring, the more regular touch-ups are required. I put it to you that this is the same with any biblical story or historical story. The more familiar we are with a text, the more difficult it is to view it outside of the way you or society has always understood it. So I ask you, please, view this passage in the same way. Forget all you think you know about the Christmas story for the next few minutes and look at it afresh. Now, if you could take out your Bible or the sheets with the passages on them, please do and follow along. In verse 8, we read about the shepherds watching over their sheep near Bethlehem. Now, many of us may view the role of the shepherd as admirable, having founded those beliefs in other biblical passages, such as Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, or from stories of King David, the young shepherd who defeats the Goliaths. The shepherd is seen as good, as a noble character. However, at the time when Luke was writing this account of the life of Jesus, shepherds were not held in such high esteem. Culturally, This may have been for several reasons, the most likely being, without getting into too much detail for the sake of time, that their sheep were kept in fields, making them unclean or unholy as Jewish sacrifices. Jewish law stated that sheep should be reared in the wild, not in enclosed fields, if they were to be used for holy ceremonies. The shepherds, as a result, were also seen as unclean. These shepherds were lowly peasants, uneducated, poor people who lived in modest one- or two-roomed homes, which they would share with their own livestock. But their biggest problem was this uncleanliness, this unholiness, what the Bible calls sin. They were disobedient to God. And sometimes this idea of holiness or unholiness can be a bit confusing. But if you imagine God is holy, he is the Son, right? He is all-powerful, and we see this a few times in the Old Testament. What happens if a satellite approaches the sun and gets too close? Anybody know? It melts, it explodes, okay. So anytime something that is not the sun 
gets near to the sun, it gets burnt up. And this happens sometimes in the Old Testament. When people approached God's presence that was in the tabernacle at the time, they literally couldn't handle it and they were killed. In the same way, us being unholy, we cannot approach God's holiness because of our unholiness. In the same way, it would take something, the same material as the sun to approach another sun. It would take holiness to approach holiness. And these shepherds were not so. Now, I've been applying to a few companies the last few months for an internship as part of the degree I'm doing in college. Now, with every application, you must send a CV or a resume. And this is basically a short page or two listing all your achievements and talents and why you would be a great asset for the company to hire. So I'm just going to get my CV here now. So this is Andrew's CV. Very simple. But if we were honest, our CVs would not be in such sparkling condition as they are, I'll say, on my laptop. If we were really honest, our CV would look like this. Unclean, unholy, sinner. So that's really what my CV looks like. And the Bible tells us, Romans 3.23, that we are all in this position. So that isn't just Andrew's CV, that's everybody's CV here. We are all dirty, stinking, rotten sinners. We all lie, we cheat, we think horrible thoughts, and whether we know it or not, we constantly disobey God. We are the shepherds. But there is good news for the shepherds. In verse 9, read with me. An angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, my CV has been built, over, built up over many years, eight years of primary school, six of secondary, university grade averages, summer jobs, work experiences, etc. But from his birth, the angel gives us a clear picture of Jesus' CV. So from the moment he was born, we see he is a savior, Messiah, and Lord. So two very contrasting CVs. And what is so great about this news is that he's not just a savior for an exclusive few. There's no VIP list when it comes to Jesus. He is accessible by all. We read in verse 12, where the angel informs the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This savior wasn't born in a mansion or a palace or a castle. He was born in the home of a common person a one or two roomed place shared with the owner's animals. The shepherds, unclean and lowly in society as they were, were the first of those invited to meet this newborn Messiah. This account of Jesus' birth sets the stall out early, showing us that no amount of money, status, or power can deal with the issue of our sin. No earthly thing can make us clean. It takes someone of another world to come down and to fix that problem for us. Now, presents are obviously a big part of Christmas, but what if I was to give you a present this Christmas, and it was to sit under your tree? And there it remains on Christmas Day, St. Stephen's Day, 
into the new year and still it sits. It's there at Easter, it's there throughout the summer, and so on, so on, so on. For years, the present remains unopened. The sender could be giving you the best gift in the world, but if you do not open the present, you will never receive this gift at all. So read with me again. In verse 15, we see the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see about this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So the shepherds were presented with a present and we see how they respond. But yeah, what was in this present? So Stephen, if you'd like to open up, this is Jesus's free gift, a little present. If you'd like to open that up quickly, let's see what's inside. Very good. Thank you very much. So initially, it doesn't look great. It looks like uh, perfect portions boiled in the bag of rice. That's actually not what the present is. But inside the present, this is what we receive. So these are the kind of things we receive in a free gift from Jesus. So we receive the Holy Spirit. That's one thing we get. We get a ticket to heaven. Another pretty good thing. We are made holy. We are made like the sun. We are made like God. We can enter into his presence. We are made clean. We're no longer the unclean shepherds, but we are made clean. Now, there are two types of people in the world at Christmas. There are those for whom this good news that the angel brought is the best news in the world, the greatest news in the world. And there are are those for whom this news is good, but not necessarily the greatest. This is the test of whether you truly understand the meaning of Christmas or not, or if you simply know the narrative. If this is the greatest news in the world to you, thanks be to God, a savior has been born onto you. I invite you to challenge yourself this Christmas. Don't let the busyness and tradition of the season make you lose sight of how we are to respond to this baby in a manger. Like the shepherds, we must fully accept the free gift Christ gives us, but then go out and tell others about it. And as in verse 20, if you look at the passage, we should respond by returning to our lives, but living them differently, glorifying and praising God, not living the same way we did before we had met our Messiah. But if this news isn't exactly the greatest thing you've heard, I invite you and encourage you to think long and hard about why it isn't. The angel tells us clearly in this passage that the baby Jesus was born a savior, therefore implying that we need saving. Please look at your own CVs. Don't look at them with the view of society, the view of your friends, your family, but imagine how your CV would look if someone knew your every little secret, your darkest thoughts, most hateful actions. If you can come to the conclusion that your CV is the same as mine and want to receive the free gift that Jesus brings, a removal of those stains, a perfect CV, a relationship with God leading to an eternity in heaven, please come and talk to somebody here at church. 
talk to myself, talk to Steve who came up, talk to Matthew who's coming up after. If you're unsure, ask us to clarify what is being said. But please don't let that present sit unopened under the tree. Whether this is the greatest news to you in the world or not, the same question stands. What are you going to do with the baby lying in the manger? So now Jacob's going to come up and read our next passage. Do you want to talk that for a second? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who had been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For what out of you will come a ruler who, she who will shepherd my people Israel? Then Herod called Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, may too, I too may go and worship him. After they, after they had heard the king, the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. Then they saw the star. They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presents and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Hey guys, I'm pretty sure I don't need this raised up at all. Me and Jacob could totally read this from the same height. Uh, say, I'm, I'm Maffey, and, uh, and we're going to look now at the, uh, at the Magi. So some people call it Magi, Steve calls it Magi, some people call it Magi, and then I used to call it Magi. So I, I don't know what it is, but, uh, but bear with me. Okay, so it's a Magi. So let's explore the response of the Magi, uh, or the Magi, before asking ourselves the very same question, what will we do with the baby in the manger? So who are the Magi? Who are the Magi? So notice, notice the difference in Luke's account of the birth of Jesus and, and Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. Now the shepherds aren't mentioned at, at all um, and coming to visit Jesus, but instead the focus here is on the foreigners coming from the east who are actually coming to worship. So we don't know much about them. We don't know where, we get, where the information comes from. We don't even know much about them, but they're probably members of, of a highly educated religious class from Persia away in the east. So they would have been like astronomers or, or astrologers who would have served in the courts of kings in the Persian world. So these guys were high up. They would have been regarded as highly valuable advisors. So these guys are probably being at all, doing all the bits and pieces, trying to make the country better. Whether they do or not, it's another story. But remember the story of Daniel. Remember in Daniel, you had the wise men, the dream interpreters, who, who were called upon to interpret the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And so essentially, these guys were the same types of people. And so I, I don't know, maybe you guys think there was three wise men 
To be honest, the Bible doesn't say that. There could have been 40 wise men, there could have been four, there might have only been two. Who knows? But essentially, the Magi or, or Magi or the Magi are these guys who are coming from the, the ancient East and are coming in in search of this king. And so, where is the king of the Jews? So that's kind of what they're asking. Where's the king of the Jews? So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the Magi came from the east. And so this was set somewhere between 40 days and two years after Jesus' birth. So this isn't, this isn't the night Jesus was born. This was probably well in advance or well, well later on. So let, let's say this is two years later. Look at verse 2. It says, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Herod was called king of the Jews. I don't know if you knew this, but Herod, who was the king, who was the man in charge, he was known as king of the Jews. So in, in light of that, where is the king of the Jews? The Magi had come to Herod and had actually asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And so Herod had been known as this. Herod had been known as king of the Jews for 40 odd years. It's basically like Queen Elizabeth in England, someday flying into London and coming and approaching Lizzie and essentially saying, ah, where, where's the queen? Where's the queen? She's obviously thinking that's me. Do you know, Herod was never called the Messiah. Herod might have been called King of the Jews, but he'd never been called Messiah. Never been called the Messiah. The Messiah means a long-awaited God-anointed ruler who would, who would overcome all other rule, who would establish the kingdom of God. And so here, some fellows from the east have come in and said, where is the true king? Where's the king of the Jews? Where's the true king? Not, not Herod, but the Messiah. Where's this Jesus? And so Herod, he's troubled, and, and he goes and assembles the religious leaders, and, and he brings them uh, towards him, and the religious leaders go and cite a verse from the Torah, from the Old Testament, from the prophet Micah, who foretells the birth of the coming Messiah. And it says about him being born in this place called Bethlehem. And so essentially Herod goes and sends them off towards Bethlehem. And at this stage, the Magi have worship in mind and Herod has murder in mind. You know, Herod went and passed a decree that all kids under the age of two should be murdered. All the boys under the age of two should be murdered. Herod wants to be the king of the Jews, not this newborn baby. So the Magi have worship in mind and Herod has murder in mind. And you know, the coming of Jesus requires a response. Whether you're, you're Herod, whether you're the Magi, whether you're the parents, or whether you're just the simple listeners like you and I, the coming of Jesus requires a response. And this is what it looks like. Herod got the knives out, the religious leaders got the Torah out, and the Magi poured their hearts out. If you look at verses 9 to 11 with me, I'm going to read them. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Wow. Guys, I don't know about you, but I love gifts. I love getting gifts and I love receiving gifts. 
I absolutely love at Christmas time uh, looking at, around the tree and looking to see where it says Matthew. Whenever it's my mum and dad, they give me a gift that says Matthew. Whenever it's somebody else, it says Matthew. I love opening the gifts. And sometimes I don't love them whenever it's just socks and underwear, the same things over and over. You know, I, I love giving gifts as well. I, I love it whenever I'm sitting there and, I'm, and my sister is looking around and she sees a gift that's terribly wrapped. And I know, ah, I, I got her that. And I love to see the joy on her face. But there's one kind of gift that I cannot stand. So first of all, can I have a show of hands? Who love, loves gifts? Either giving or receiving. Who loves gifts? Okay, so most people, everybody, wonderful. Here is one type of gift I cannot stand. Whenever you ask somebody, what do you want for Christmas? Or what would you like for your birthday? And they go and respond, ah, uh, surprise me. Flip sick. Who, who's got that before? Who's got it before? Okay, a couple of people, wow. Unbelievable. Emma always says, surprise me. And my goodness me. I like surprises as well, but whenever you have to think up of a surprise that the other person likes, it's horrible. But the gifts the Magi brought Jesus say three things about Jesus. They say, who is Jesus? Yeah. Why he came and why he had to die. So we've got gold, we've frankincense, or incense, and we've myrrh. So they say three things. Who is Jesus? Why he came and why he had to die. And so for gold, like I, I don't have any illustrations. I wish I had a gold ring, but I don't. Uh, instead, I've got a little cheap ring that's stainless steel. So here's my gold ring, a bit like Andrew's illustration. They brought gold. Actually, I'm going to put that on, otherwise it'll be lost. Gold, it was customary for royal visits. And so there, essentially you've got this royal king. And so as it was customary for his royal visits, a magi came bearing gifts that were intended to honor the newborn king. And so as it is today, gold is a valuable commodity, a, a priceless commodity. And so it is one associated with royalty and with nobility. And so despite being a helpless, vulnerable baby who dirtied his nappy and needed it changed, needing cared for by his parents, Jesus was born a king and he received a gift appropriate for a king. The Magi first offered gold, a gift fit for a king. Perhaps the Magi knew that this one wasn't just going to be born a king, but is going to reign and rule as a king, as a servant king. So they offered gold, first of all. And then secondly, they came and offered incense or frankincense. So incense is a, is a dry, resin-like substance. It was used for anointing oil by the, by the high priest at the time. And so Aaron was the very first high priest. So he would have used this anointing oil, this incense, and this incense would have been burned and, and it, would have, it would have smoked and it would have smelled nice. And so essentially the idea of it is you burn this at a certain place in the temple and the smoke symbolizes going up to heaven. It's connecting. It's making that connection between heaven and earth. So it would have been used for offerings and as, as I say, it would have been infused with smoke and it would have went to heaven. And so the burning of incense was associated with a ceremonial worship to a deity. And so in this way, the inclusion of incense as a gift for Jesus may have indicated that, that the Magi understood the prophecy of the newborn king also carries with it the claim of a deity. So it's not just the newborn king, it's not just the newborn king of the Jews, but it's actually this newborn king of the Jews 
is a deity, is God himself, is God in the form of man. And so remember that the high priest was there to stand between God and man. He was there to represent man and God. The priestly role was essentially one of building a bridge. I watched a program recently of a, of a bridge being built in New Ross outside Waterford. That's incredible. The civil engineering was unbelievable. And it actually made a way to get from one to the other without an insane detour. But the reality is, without Jesus, there was no detour. So Jesus came as, as a priest who had built a bridge between man and God. And so remember, the, the priest was there to stand in between. And so Jesus was the one anointed to bring a greater priesthood, greater than Aaron's, to bring a greater way, in fact, a perfect way to bring people to God. Jesus became a greater bridge. And so essentially, Jesus is a bridge that we walk across to get the right standing with the Father. And I don't know whether you've walked across that. Some of you may have, and some of you may have not. And so gold is a gift for a king. Incense is a gift to connect heaven and earth. And then we've got myrrh. I don't know if you guys can spell myrrh, but whenever I was writing this talk, I spelled it in a completely different ways. I still don't know the spelling. I just know how it's pronounced. Myrrh is a fragrant-like spice derived from tree sap. Growing up in the countryside, I had so much tree sap in my hands. It always wore off after a couple of days. It never wore off my trousers. Myrrh is the fragrant spice derived from tree sap that was native to the ancient Near East. And so like frankincense, it can be used as an incense, but it also had a wider usage as an anointing oil, as a perfume. And here's the incredible thing. Myrrh is used for embalming bodies. Wow. And so maybe Mary would have known or she would have at least considered that her son would have to die. It's a crazy gift to be, to be given. Imagine if your baby was, was brought a gift that is, that is used and symbolic for embalming dead bodies. You know, in that first passage in Luke, whenever the shepherds came, there's a little line that said, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. Mary pondered these things. And so it would have been similar here. Mary would have seen the gifts and would have known some, some, some symbolism and she would have known that this gift is for embalming bodies. Perhaps the Magi intended that this gift is also an indication of Jesus' humanity and the manner that he would save his people through his own suffering for us. Guys, the good news, the good news today is that, is that God would rather punish his own son than punish you and I. Amen? Amen. Wow, these gifts tell us who Jesus is, why he came, and why he had to die. Gold is a gift that's fit for a king. Incense is a gift that connects heaven and earth. And myrrh is that gift, that gift that was given for the one who would have to die for us. And the reality is so that it is in Christ that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, Paul later on says that, um, that, that Jesus became sin. Jesus became sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Essentially, we have a, in Jesus a king-sized God with a, a bridge-building ministry through an atoning sacrifice. And that means it's a good day for us. That means Sunday the 22nd of December is a good day for us. Why? Because Jesus was born a, a king-sized God with a bridge-building ministry through an atoning sacrifice. 
But the question will remain, what will I do? And we all have to ask this question. And we all have to respond to this question, what do I do? What will I do with a baby in the manger? Andrew asked the very same one, and so I'm going to ask it as well. You know, the, the Magi gave gifts to Jesus that they didn't need. Jesus didn't need gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Nowadays, babies are born and they're given clothes and nappies and bits and pieces that they need. Jesus didn't need any of these gifts. The gifts help intensify the desire for Christ himself in much the same way that fasting is. And so whenever you give a gift to Christ like this, it's a way of saying, the worship that I offer you is not in the hope of getting rich by things from you, it's not that at all. It's, I have come to give you these, these things, not so that, uh, so that I can get rich from it, but because I want you. I don't need these things. I don't need these gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but what I do need is you. It's a way of worship that is similar to fasting, where we're giving up these things because we don't need them. It's like somebody here having a newborn baby and me giving them my iPhone and saying, I don't need my iPhone. Actually, I do need my iPhone. But in giving these gifts, it's a desire to worship and we're demonstrating that we're giving up of these gifts in a hope of enjoying the one that we're giving the gifts to all the more. And so by giving up what I do not need and the very things that I might enjoy, I'm essentially saying more earnestly and more authentically, you are my treasure, not these things. And I think that's what it means to worship God with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm saying more earnestly and more authentically, you are my treasure, not these things. And I wonder if it coming up to Christmas time, doing all our shopping and running around, getting things prepared, we forget that Jesus is the greatest gift. Jesus is the only one that can turn my bad CV into his CV. And so we're going to respond. So if you're able, will you, will you stand with me and will you close your eyes? And I'm going to, I'm going to pray. And, and while we pray, I want, I want you to consider what Christmas is to you. I want you to consider who Jesus is to you. And during the song, we're going to have an opportunity to come up and respond. An opportunity to come up and light a candle. And so Craig is going to play in the background. He's going to play Silent Night. And as he plays, <clears throat> at some stage during the song, I encourage you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're not, to come on up to light a candle. And in doing so, what you will do is you're going you're gonna to respond in the very same way. And you're going to respond and you're going you're to say, Jesus, I either make you Lord of my life or else, Jesus, I, I, want, I want to consider what it would be for you to be Lord of my life. Jesus, I, I want to give up my, my gifts and my things. I don't want them to be in the throne of my heart, but I want you to be in the throne of my heart. Jesus, I want to be able to give away these gifts. I want to be able to sacrifice to you. I want to enter 2020 knowing you. But I want you to be my treasure, not these things. Not my family, not the gifts under the tree, not the turkey that's gone into the oven. But Jesus, I want you to be my treasure.
So Father, we, we thank you that, that regardless of the date that Jesus was born, while it doesn't matter, what we know is that you became man. Is that you became man. You entered humanity as a baby wrapped in cloths lying on a manger. And in doing so, you allowed uh, the, the, the wealthy magi, the foreigners to come, but you also invited the shepherds, the lowly shepherds, the dirty, stinking shepherds to come. And Jesus, your birth meant that everybody could come. It meant that the foreigner could come. It meant that the local person could come. It meant everybody could come to Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that, that you grew up. Thank you that you paid that ultimate sacrifice at Calvary and we get to celebrate that at Easter time. Jesus, may we never separate the manger from the cross. You took up that, that, that manger, but you also willingly took up that cross so that we might live, so we might know your righteousness, so that we might worship you. And so Jesus, our response today will be one of worship. And in our response, Jesus, we're demonstrating we want you more than we want things. And to demonstrate that, Jesus, we will come up and we'll light a candle. In your name. Amen. Thank you.